Hi there. I'm Dr. Asha, creator of Healthy Conversations. Welcome to the Good Health for Busy People podcast. I'm so excited about today's guest, Dr. Anika Fields. I just call her mom. Dr. Fields has been the Director of Counseling Services at Florida A&M University, Florida State University, and Tallahassee Community College. She's been licensed in Florida for 27 years as a clinical psychologist. She earned degrees in psychology from Howard University, Washington University in St. Louis, and the University of Tennessee. She has spent most of her career in higher education, providing counseling to students with mental health needs, supervising clinical and counseling psychology graduate students, and teaching graduate and undergraduate psychology courses. Dr. Fields has held leadership positions in several professional organizations, and she currently serves as the president of the board of directors for the International Accreditation of Counseling Services. Dr. Fields believes in giving back to the community, and she has volunteered with the Special Olympics of Florida for y'all 30 years, okay? She teaches athlete leadership courses, she coaches track and field and powerlifting, and she serves on the county management team. Dr. Fields is the recipient of many awards, including the Association of College and University Counseling Center Directors Lifetime, like life, like span, right? Lifetime Achievement Award. And she's also been honored with the Special Olympics of Florida's Bill Crutchfield Award for Distinguished Service. In 2015, Dr. Fields was selected by the Tallahassee Democrat as one of the 25 women you need to know. Join me and my mom as we have a conversation today on learning how to trust yourself. Welcome mom, Dr. Fields to the Good Health for Busy People podcast. Thank you. So glad to have you on today. We are able to share some conversations that we may have between each other or that we may have had literally throughout my life. And we get to share these things with you all. So I'm excited to dig into your brain with all of the wisdom that you have and the experience that you have as a clinical psychologist to get some of your thoughts on helping us learn how to trust ourselves. So I'm going to start with this very foundational question. What does good health mean to you? That's a real interesting question. So what good health means to me is when you're mentally, emotionally, and physically well. Well doesn't necessarily mean that you have no illness whatsoever. Well means that you're going about doing the things that you need to do that are important to you, but also important to others, and that you are balancing this. So when you are well balanced, then you have good health you know what to do, you know how to take care of yourself, you know what to tell others to do if they need to take care of you also. You know how to take care of others. That's good health. What's interesting there is you're giving this kind of balloon definition of what well is. And I think oftentimes that we limit what well is. We, we say that wellness is this lack of sickness or this lack of disease, mm -hmm. and we just stop there. Right. But you gave us this more in-depth view of what it could be. Mm -hmm. How do we gain confidence 
and knowing what well is for us specifically, because it sounds like you're approaching it from this unique standpoint. It's not something that is a one size fits all. So mm-hmm. how do we start to learn and understand what wellness could be for us as individuals? You have to, you have to know yourself and you don't know yourself in the beginning. Mm. You learn to know yourself. And so you have to look at what it is that you're doing or what it is that you want to do. And you have to observe that's yourself and others. Yourself is always first, though. Mm. You're always observing yourself and what you're doing and what you're not doing in terms of what you want to be and how you want to be it. Mm. You also have to pray. And that's something that I do a lot. I have been doing what I'm doing for a little over 30 years, but I don't feel like I know all that I could know or need to know. And so God has to come in there for me in order for me to be confident in what I'm doing when I'm doing it. Mm. That's important to know what you're doing when you're doing it and to feel that you're doing it well. Mm. You know, because when you feel that you're doing it well, the fear and the nervousness and this lack of self-confidence and all that stuff starts dwindling away. But if you feel that you're not doing it well, even when you try to do it, you get nervous about it. Mm-hmm. And when you get nervous about it, you mess up. That's just bottom line. You mess up. So you got to have God in there because God knows what it is you need to do. He knows what it is you have to do. Yeah. He knows what it is or how to go about doing what you need to do Hmm. better than you do. I don't care how much practice you've had. He knows. So you bring him in there with you. And and what I do is before I start speaking or before I start seeing a client, I'm always saying, God, you know what the audience needs to hear. You know what that client needs to hear. When I open my mouth, start spewing those words out Mm -hmm. that that person needs to get. It doesn't matter the actual word that I say as much as what they hear me say. Their perception of what it is I'm saying, because that's what is going to be good for them. God knows what their perception is going to be of what I say. Um, I don't. Yeah. I just know in my head what it is I'm saying. Right. You know, and I know how I feel about what I'm saying but I don't know how they're going to feel about what I'm exactly. saying. And exactly. God, God knows. And so he gives me whatever those words are. And sometimes when I'm speaking, it doesn't sound like me speaking to me. Right. That and, makes sense. And that's how I know that that's God speaking. And every single time that audience or that person perception of what I think I'm saying right. is right. Absolutely. Okay. And they can walk away. They can, everybody can attend the same function, the same event, same program, or everybody can receive counseling on the same day. Right. But they're all walking away with a totally different nugget, a totally different piece of advice. They heard the same words, but they but they ate them differently. Exactly. Exactly. And they taste differently. Yeah. To yeah. each of them. They, right. they get the same loaf of bread. Right. But but they walk away with that different taste. And really, I think it, it also has to do with what they came there for. Mm-hmm. 
And just like you said, aligning yourself with what God has purposed for you, purposed you for in that moment. And I think that's very transferable too, mom, because it doesn't just have to do with the words that we speak. I know that your profession is centered around uh, speaking and using those words, but it doesn't just have to do with the words that we speak. It has to do with the thoughts that we think, Mm -hmm. the emotions that we emote, how we use our nonverbal communication to interact and engage with others, even the decisions that we make, even just coming down to creating a budget for your household. That that too can be ordered by God if if you let it. Exactly. <laughs> Everything can be ordered by God. Right. And it, you should let it. Absolutely. Because then there's a greater benefit and you don't have to beat yourself across the head 10 days later, 10 minutes later and saying, right. dang, exactly. I, I wish I had given that to God because I surely stressed myself or I made all of these different mistakes or mm-hmm. I went this entirely different route when I could have just gone the route that, that mm-hmm. God had for me. And the thing about giving to God is even if it doesn't work the way that you want it to work out. Trusting God makes you know that however way it went, that mm. was the way it was supposed to go. Yeah. And it is for your good, even though you may not see it right now. So true. So, so with that being said, so on the other side of trust is doubt. Right. So what often makes us, in your opinion, doubt ourselves? lack of confidence mm-hmm. in our in our ability, mm. uh, comparing ourselves to other people. That's a big one. You know, and and just not knowing who we are, mm. knowing what our purpose is, what mm-hmm. are we what are we here for makes us doubt. With the comparing ourselves to others, I hear a lot of folks saying, and they even tell me they hear in their heads that they can't do it as good as so-and-so. Yeah. And we're not here to do it as good as so-and-so. We're here to do it as good as we have the ability to do it, Mm. you know? And we have to believe and trust in ourselves to be able to do that. If we have that self-doubt, we're not going to believe and trust in ourselves because we're always comparing ourselves to other people. Absolutely. You know, and- People are different. People have different purposes. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody may be doing the same thing that I'm doing, but they're doing it for a different purpose than I am. Therefore, it's not supposed to come through the same way that mine comes through. Right. Okay. Um, I think that it also is has to do with lack of practice. And when I say mm. practice, I mean, if you're going to do something and you're going to do something well, mm-hmm. then you need to practice it in order to do it well. Um, with my profession, you never know what's going to, what you're going to be talking about that particular time. You know, you may be talking about depression because that person is depressed, right? but you don't know what angle you're coming from until you start talking to that person and they start telling you what went on that week that you didn't see them. And so you have to be ready for whatever. Now, if I come in, oh, I, I don't know what they're going to say today. I, I I, just don't know what they're going to say versus in your head, whatever they talk about, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about. Yeah. It doesn't matter what they say. Again, we're talking about perception there. And so that that's where the, the confidence comes in. There has to be some confidence that you're going to be able to do your job, that I'm going to be mm. able to do my job mm-hmm. for those 50 minutes. Yeah. Okay. And Again, I believe I can't do my job unless God is there by me doing the job for me. 
Absolutely. Okay. So that's where, for me, that's where my confidence comes in and where the doubt goes away mm-hmm. when I know that, that he's actually there. And I think with it. what you've done with that, because you told us it has to do with this, this doubt comes from a place where we're lacking confidence in ourselves and we're lacking in practice. I, I think what really stuck out to me is that you have to give yourself permission to mess up because practice isn't the performance, right? When we're, when we have a performance for something, let's say we are going to go watch a play together and we're watching this performance as the audience we're expecting the curtain to come up at right, some point. Right. We're expecting there to be people with speaking parts, maybe with some singing parts, maybe mm-hmm. there's some dancing. Like we're expecting this to mm-hmm. line up and make sense to us. Right. But as the performer, you're expecting it to be perfect. Right. You're in your brain, you're like, I have these three lines and then I go stage left and then I say these other three lines and I come back to center stage and I do all these things. Mom and I are watching that and we're like, bravo, we don't know. Exactly. We don't know the cues. Mm-hmm. We don't know the lines. We don't know the songs unless you're me and you're a Broadway buff and you know all the songs. Mm-hmm. But even then, the way that you're interpreting that song for today, playing that character may be completely different than a play that I saw 20 years ago right. and even fell in love with. And I, I think in that practice, right, which leads up to the performance, you give yourself permission on your own, you give yourself permission to mess up because that's where you go back to the place where you're learning about yourself. You're observing yourself, those things that you said right. before and, and you're practicing those prayers like, Lord, I keep messing up on this one line. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that, that is so true. And the thing about it is, is that we get in our heads that everybody know the part like we know it. Mm-hmm. And therefore they know when we messed up. And that's where the nervousness comes in to show us that they messed up mm-hmm. because they st- they start acting differently, right? You know, and so the the thing is is that is that to know that it's okay to make a mistake and to make it positive by saying, and I tell people this all the time: you learn from your mistakes. Yes, you can learn from your mistakes, or you can beat yourself up about your mistakes. Yes, the the, the point is is to learn from your mistakes. And the more you teach yourself by your mistakes, the better you get. There's a purpose for mistakes. There's a positive purpose for mistakes. Yes, I love it. I'm over here trying to take notes and my my whole pen fell, right? I'm over here trying to take notes and and color coding. And uh, I'm now making a mistake because I'm I'm writing (laughs) in the wrong color. But I, I wanted to emphasize that you said it's okay to teach yourself by your mistakes. Yeah. And I think that we have to create space for that to happen. I think that also means that we can't push ourselves up against the wall where there is no space for mistakes. Right, right. Because when we do that, again, we run into that cycle of beating our heads against the wall. Like I had this this item that was due by midnight. It is now 11.55. And because I've had these mistakes on here, I don't have the time. I've only given myself five minutes to teach myself from these mistakes as opposed to giving yourself that time ahead of that to say, okay, I know this is going to be due by midnight on Tuesday. Maybe I put it on my schedule to go ahead and start it on Wednesday of the previous week. Allow my eyes to rest, look over it again, Mm -hmm. let a coworker look over it or let a friend look over it so that I have that space for someone to say, hey, I saw these errors or this math doesn't add up. And you're like, oh yeah, I forgot in Excel, I got to press that one button. You give yourself space to teach 
from those mistakes exactly. as opposed to be overwhelmed and burdened by those mistakes. Right. And to remember that we're imperfect people. Mm. We are not perfect. Only person that ever walked this earth that was perfect is Jesus Christ. Yeah. We're not even close to him. Not at know? all. So we don't need to 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 delude ourselves that we are because we're we're not. Therefore, imperfect people make mistakes. That's like a part of our DNA. We're going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, again, we just learn from those mistakes. So a lot of what you're you're sharing sounds to me like what I've learned to be as imposter syndrome. So I want to hear from you, especially you being a clinician, a psychologist, what is imposter syndrome? Okay. That's basically feeling that you are not worthy Mm. of what you have. Wow. You know, you're not worthy of what you have. Um, uh, The education, you know, you, 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 you went to school, you, you did well, uh, you're not worthy of it. Mm. You um, have this, this, this job that's, that's very good, that's providing that you like, but you're not worthy of it. So you're that imposter that's sitting there playing a role. And that's where you have put yourself, mm. you know, um, people may have said things but you put yourself there, you know, you know, or you should know that this is where you're supposed to be, but you feel like, no, uh-uh, mm. uh-uh. I'm, 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 I'm taking up this position and I don't have what I need to have to have this position. Wow. You know, wow. that hurts a lot of people, especially women, especially really? women. Yes. Because, um, People can can see whether you think it or not. They can see that imposter syndrome in you. Mm. They can see it by the way you act, by the by what you say, by what you don't say. They can see it. Mm. And a person that has imposter syndrome need to sit down and ask themselves why. Mm. Why do I have it? Because this is what I put on myself. Again, nobody put it on me. Yes, people may have said things you know, but nobody put it on me. I should know my worth. Yeah. I should know my worth and I should not allow anyone to take away from my worth. And that's what we do is again, especially women. So let me ask you this. Is there a relationship between imposter syndrome and self-sabotage? And if there is, do you have you yourself experienced where your own imposter syndrome led to self-sabotage or have you maybe perhaps through counseling a client? Can you think of a particular story or a client that shared a story with you where their own imposter syndrome led to self-sabotage or even even if it's not just self-sabotage, but the whole concept of that self-fulfilling prophecy? Mm-hmm. Have you seen that happen? And if so, are you willing to share an example? Sure. Um I've had several clients where, where that has actually happened. Um, and it happened in school. Mm-hmm. So in graduate school, um, doing really well, you know, making, making good grades, making B's, making some A's, no C's, no D's, no F's, not failing anything. But 
pushing themselves to the point of failing because they felt like they weren't good enough, Hmm. that they did not belong. So doing stuff to make themselves fail, such as such Uh as when you're saying something earlier about not taking enough time to make sure that whatever it is you're doing is correct. So you got time to correct it. You got time to do this. You got time to do this knowing that that's what you need to do mm-hmm. because you know yourself that well to know that that's what you need to do. Some people can sit down and just write it right out and they're through with it. Like write a paper, write a paper or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're through with it. We're t- I was talking, I'm looking at this person doing a thesis, uh, getting a master's degree, not taking the time to, you know, you turn in with, with your major professor, you turn in, one chapter, two chapters at, at a time. You don't, okay. you don't have to turn in the whole thing at one time. So not taking the time to actually get that chapter the way it's supposed to be. Mm. You have time because you're, you have a deadline. You, you know when the deadline is, whether it's one week, two weeks, three weeks, that's your deadline. Yeah. And so instead of taking the time to actually put into what needs to be put into you're telling yourself is I can't do this. I can't do this. This is too hard. Oh. And so you wait mm-hmm. and you wait and you wait. You're afraid if you turn it in, they're going to cross it all out in red because mm. it's not good enough. You know, I got to add something else to it. Is it? I don't like it. It's so not good enough. You're not letting anybody else read it. Right. Because it's not good enough. It's not good enough. And it sounds like what we may sometimes categorize as procrastination is really our imposter syndrome leaking out, turning into this self-sabotage and then that self-fulfilling prophecy. So this whole time we've been thinking it's procrastination. I'll get to it. But really, it's you holding up your gifts or holding up your skills, holding up your talents. Exactly. And the thing about it is it is good enough. Mm-hmm. Because when that professor eventually gets it, mm-hmm. they're not marking it up at all. This is what happened to this particular person. They're not marking it up at all. They're talking about how good it is. Wow. But also wondering at the same time, what took you so long? To get you this know, to me. To get it to you. <laughs> and you're you're sitting there. It's good? Really? It is? When it was good along. Along. You, I mean... I mean, the professor had to push you to get it in. When is it? When are you going to get it to me? When are you going to get it to me? You finally just give it to her. And you know what? Even if the professor did mark it up, what you said earlier is that mistakes allow us to teach ourselves. We mm-hmm. get to learn these lessons. And so mm-hmm. if we do create that space to make the mistakes, we can learn the lesson and still have a few days, a few weeks, even mm-hmm. before the final deadline, right. so that we have that lesson learned. Right, because that 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 markup makes it better. Professor should know more than you do. <laughs> so when the professor marks it up, this should be this way, or go put, look up some more research and put in this little spot. Look at it as that's going to make my thesis better. Maybe I'll be able to even publish this when I'm when I'm mm. finished, you know, mm-hmm. rather than, oh, I'm just such a mess up. Yeah. You know, 
So what I'm going to do here is I want to invite you all to come back for part two. That was just part one, but I want to invite you all to come back for part two. We're going to dig into how can we be confident that what we're doing or contributing is a value without overworking ourselves, as well as get my mom's first and second steps that we can take to experience good mental and emotional health. So I definitely want you to come back. Mom, thanks for helping us to live in a good health. You're welcome. Thank you for listening. Remember to download Self-Care in 5 Minutes. That's your freebie. The Affirmation of the Month, another good health freebie. And the show notes from this episode at drasha.com backslash podcast. When you head there, you get what you missed and you share what you loved. This has been the Good Health for Busy People podcast with Dr. Asha.